I can look at the rocket launch The trophy wives of the astronauts And I won't listen to their words Cause I like birds Hello, welcome, greetings Come on in to I Don't Get It The Pop Culture Get Off My Lawn Cast Featuring, this features We are featuring open-minded musings of two mid-40s curmudgeons who, in turn, respectively stare down the prospect of entertainment irrelevance. I'm your co-host, Bill Scurry of American Caesar Enterprises, which, Noah, uh, for one week only, by the way, American Caesar Enterprises, is a crumbling real estate office filled with rapacious, backstabbing, middle-aged men who keep stealing the good leads. <laughs> Fuck the machine! Sorry, just <laughs> First, first, uh, what was it? First prize is set like a, a Cadillac Coupe de Ville. Yeah, second, second prize, you want to see second prize? Set of steak knives. Third prize is? You're fired. Hit the bricks. You fired. are out. Out. Third prize you are out. Fired. Fuck you, Dave. Why don't you buy right, a pack so of folks, gum? We are quoting, I'll show you how to chew it. <laughs> right. We are quoting the David Mamet 80s play, Glengarry Glen Ross. We're actually more quoting the movie adaptation. Yes, the 1991 uh, James right. Gray directed yeah. uh, adaptation. Yeah. In fact, yes, because the uh, Stick Knives, You're Fired was a monologue given by Alec Baldwin in that movie. And I believe Alec Baldwin's character in that movie does not exist in the play. No, right? I've seen the movie 10,000 times and I've seen the play yeah. on Broadway. So the iteration great with, Al- with, uh, 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 with Alan Alda as uh, Levine. And no, it was not. Oh, wow. Uh, he That's was good. not there. Yeah. Yeah. In the movie, Jack Lemmon was Levine. It's a great movie. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, by the yeah. way, who are you? Who am I talking to? My name is Noah Tarno. I am founder, senior quiz master of the Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show spectacular. And uh, I'll, I'll open up to you people a, a little. Uh, past two weeks, past couple weeks, I'm, I'm coming through some shit here, folks. So it's nice to be back with you again. Uh, feeling you're a little you're tired, out of gas, man. But, you're out of gas. You got nothing. I'm pretty much out of gas. I'm headed out of town tomorrow. Palm Springs, where where the elite go to play. Um you know, gonna gonna take my little uh, metal uh, sun visor thing and. Uh, but people don't know this is golf. this is a fact finding mission that you're stepping in yeah. Sunny Bono shoes. You're wondering exactly. what would it take to become the mayor of Palm Springs? What would it take to be the mayor of Palm Springs? So, uh, do you know that uh, Facebook once suggested I, you know, people you might know who you might want to become friends with, and it suggested Sherilyn Lapierre, and I think it's actually Cher. I think it's actually. They suggested I actually become <laughs> Facebook friends with Cher because that's her real name. Well, no, her name is uh, Sherilyn Sarkassian, right? I thought it was Lop. Anyway, maybe it's, maybe whatever it was, it was Wayne Lapierre's sister or something. Yeah, Wayne Lapierre, something like that. There's Lapierre somewhere. Anyway, whatever it was, it was several years ago. I clicked around enough to determine I think this is Cher because she wanted a Facebook account for friends. So I had like two or three friends in common with Cher, or she was checking me out, and that's how Facebook's algorithm. She was. She she likes Quizmasters in her dotage. She said, uh, "Does he love me? I want to know. Will Noah Tarno be my Facebook friend?" Yeah, uh, I bet shares a lot of fun to hang out with. Oh, you know what? I think yeah. you know. How, however many ribs she said pulled out, I I have no <laughs> doubt in my mind. Share would share would complete. She would kick complete ass. Honestly, share is a world beater. <laughs> You know what I mean? We, yeah, she's all right. Ago, she's all right. Yeah, we, talk, yeah. we talked about Adele, and it's like a, there's yeah. that class of, you want to talk about a specific discrete class of divas, and it's like Cher is holding it down for the Armenian-Americans. You know, those, I think, she, was she Michigan? I forget where she was born. 
uh, yeah, I think maybe it was California. Michigan or I forget. I I, I don't yeah. know why Michigan's occurred to me, but um, yeah, I, th- I think she's she's extremely cool, and has a feature film. Uh, she when she decided to act, by the way, she didn't fuck around. She really moved the dial, and I, I take her seriously because she had a really good eighties in film. She worked with some of the best 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 people, and uh, she put up from like eighty five to ninety five. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So she uh, her birth name was Sherilyn Sarkeesian. Other names, Cheryl LaPierre, spelled differently than Wayne LaPierre. So maybe it was just some stage name at some point. Uh, oh, I see. LaPierre was her stepfather who mm-hmm. adopted her. Right. So I wonder if that is her legal name now. No, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess she, she must have. She can't just show up on an airplane with on a passport with no last name. She's not. She's not from Michigan. She's from California, man. California. Okay. I don't know why I thought California. Same uh, thing. Same yeah. thing. Yeah, it's, you know, uh, you're by coastal if you consider uh, Flint a, a coast. Hey, they used to consider, you know, um, uh, Henry Clay, very kind of forgotten, but very important American politician in the early days of the country, was known as the Western Star, and he was from Kentucky. Kentucky yeah. was the West. So Yeah. How about that? If you can, if you consider that river, whatever the fuck river goes through Kentucky, a coast. There you go. Uh, the, the, I don't know, the— who knows the river behind Walmart? Anyway, well, no, uh, speaking, so speaking of the West that doesn't exist, uh, that we're yes, largely like fictionalizing, that. I think that's a good yeah. transition, a segue, if you will. It's a Not terrible like transition, the, man. It's a terrible transition to our topic yeah. this week. Um, you want to you want to tell the audience who's been waiting with bated breath what we're talking about this week. So, folks, I have a shocking revelation: birds aren't real. They're not. They're just not real. They're simply they're not, not real. real. You've been lied to. Birds aren't real. And that's our topic today. That's a the new that's Gen Z conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theory in quotes. Birds aren't real. Birds aren't real. Yeah, and that that is, yeah. I'm sure been trademarked, by the way, with the the US patent office at this point. Birds aren't Maybe, real. Yeah. 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 Uh, and what I love, by the way, no is I have in my notes birds don't exist, which you know, I that's a different platform altogether, you know. Birds aren't real and birds don't exist uh, are two completely different things. I there. actually think birds don't exist is would be a more accurate name of what these people quote unquote argue because I don't want to get ahead of ourselves too much, but they argue that birds used to exist and they've been replaced. Yeah, yeah. So birds are real, at least as a concept, according to them. Birds don't exist seems more accurate to what they're saying because it implies maybe they did exist at some point. Don't so, is in the present tense, right? So, uh, yeah, folks, what we're going to do, me and Noah, we're going to put shoulder around you and bring you in, in a huddle here because we're going to let you in on the dope <laughs> of this thing. Uh, like you said, yeah. it's, it's a Gen Z topic. And by the way, this is Noah's idea, not the idea uh, as a son, but to talk about it. This was, you know, we yeah. rely on many different sources. I, I've we, been hearing about this here and there, and it's definitely kind of reaching some kind of crest right now. I mean, that and, that New York and, Times and, article and, was pretty recent. So. And every time I've spent time with you, you've been very antithetical to birds, so I'm not at all surprised I hate about birds. This. You fucking birds are, hate birds avian, are t- I'm a cat avi- person. Birds are the enemy, you know? You're an, so. you're, you're an anti-aviite, uh, yeah, if that's a I'm thing. Anti-aviate. I'm anti-aviate, yes. Okay, so, so Birds Aren't Real is a bogus conspiracy theory proffered by a 23-year-old man. I believe he's from Indiana and Arkansas. Uh, is where he was reared. This is yeah, young... but he started this in Memphis. He went to Memphis. Memphis, yeah, yeah. He started in Memphis. That's where he's on the based. Road. So this is Memphis, Tennessee. To quote Andy Kaufman, he. <laughs> That's true. Good, good Remember that? Yeah. Where are you from, Jerry Lawler? Memphis, Tennessee. This is a young man named Peter McIndoe. 
Uh, he's a college dropout, although the college dropout thing comes in later. Uh, that's what he. That's how you would describe him now. He was looking. <laughs> that's to, what he does for a living. That's what he does for a living. He drops out of colleges. He matriculates and drops out. Uh, up next year, he's dropping out of McGill, which is a very prestigious college to drop out of. My, my nephew's just applied to McGill. There you go. Uh, he was looking to lance a preposterous misinformation trends of, of our age and of his generation with something so ridiculous uh, that it would take the piss out of QAnon and Flat Earth. Flat Earth, of course, was a um, uh, topic of our, on our show either last year. Yeah, I think it was last year that we did that yeah, uh, live. Yep. Yeah, we did that show for yep. the... Uh, Late 2020, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the invented essence, the, the concocted, confabulated essence of this of this trend is that all birds are actually bionic drones tasked with the surreptitious observation of Americans in a very psyops or co-intel pro type program, black ops sort of shit. Uh, in that regard, this guy McIndoe, who it seems like he's a pretty heady, smart dude for, for a 23-year-old man, but I guess that's, you know, that's, that's like a... Um, you know, that's repetitious when you're talking about these Gen Z kids because they're, they wear many hats and they're multifarious. So he created a bunch of viral content using actors and editors and videographers and, and graphic designers to essentially give the platform some breadth with appropriate looking media. He stayed in character uh, for a few years as kind of the head evangelist. Um, I mean, I, if, you, if you're familiar with the work of like Lyndon LaRouche, the guys who were the standard bearers <laughs> for these things, it'll give you an idea yeah. of what this kid's incarnating. It's, it's heady for a 23-year-old to kind of pull off this thing. In fact, here are my notes. No, I say he's playing a very kayfabe version of himself in a lot of these viral videos. He stays in character. Um, I can think of the reason why the Times did a story. I think it was, uh, oh, Jesus, I can't remember her byline. Uh, Our old friend Taylor Lorenz. Taylor Lorenz. That article about Shugi, we encountered her. Uh, but this kid, McIndoe, I say kid again, I'm, I'm, I'm trending him downwards. This man, McIndoe, is at the point where he wants to step back and assure people that this whole thing has been a parody. But uh, since we are living in the, you know, the, the gated end of hell, uh, watching the fires and the brimstone lap at us all, there's no such thing as a parody. We, as we know, there's no such thing as too preposterous to not believe in. So I think he is, um, you know, grappling with a resistance, a catharsis, a sort of realization of, of, of what is, you know, what is left and what is right and how he's handling it. So we're here to discuss uh, uh, birds aren't real. So Noah, tell me when you did the research, you sent over a couple of, of wiggly texts. And I know you yeah. fl flipped a couple of ways about this thing going from like, you know, humor to despondency. Yeah. So what do you think? Yeah. Well, uh, so yeah, he founded this in 17 and apparently it was just, I think he went to a women's march right after, you know, the Orange Goblin was elected and he just to take the piss out of some counter protesters. He just drew on a, you know, he's like, how do I just say something just to shout him down? And he just drew on like a placard, birds aren't real. That's the most ridiculous thing I think of. And so one thing he and his cohorts do is they kind of disrupt like White Lives Matter marches or QAnon bullshit and just try to shout these idiots down, sometimes literally. And then he's, you know, it's gained a lot of momentum. There are billboards in a few cities that just say birds aren't real. He's made these videos, who's, like you mentioned, whose production values aren't bad. But recently, I guess it's recently, I mean, it's been four, four and a half years now, almost five, he's kind of come clean. And, you know, you, you say kayfabe, who those don't know, that's a term from professional wrestling. I should have specified it, that. Yeah, I know you were. Yeah, it, it, but it's getting more mainstream. I've seen it in some mainstream news sources. But it's basically um, kayfabe is like the code of pro wrestling. You don't reveal it staged. And at some point, I guess in the late 90s, they kind of 
industry-wide broke kayfabe. I think the internet forced their hand. So now you can find interviews with wrestlers and Vince McMahon, whoever, who, who admit it's predetermined. Sometimes they stay in character, sometimes they don't. They maintain kayfabe or they don't. And McIndoe decided in some interviews he keeps – I saw an interview in the news where he's keeping in character, like spouting the bullshit. And other ones where this inter- – Taylor Wren's interviewing him for the Times, he basically said, no, we don't think this is true. We're just – we're making a point. We're saying something. And another piece of the, the storyline of this that – uh, it's important to mention is they say birds used to exist and starting in the they're inconsistent sometimes they say starting in the 50s sometimes they say starting in the 70s the government started killing all the birds and replacing them with these drones and they do all this oh you see how birds all move in tandem that they must be controlled you see how birds always um, uh, rest on power lines while they're recharging you know and I watched that <laughs> half, just so right, stupid Jesus that half hour documentary on YouTube. Uh, they've made, they made a one minute fake video from 1987. And That's pretty looked, cool. It looked like, that uh, was good. that, that HBO, um, what was that, that, uh, Robert Altman, um, t- uh, Tanner looks like, like the Tanner 87, yeah, totally. uh, had that same aesthetic to it. And there's a video, like a five minute video on YouTube, purportedly an interview with a CIA, a longtime CIA operative, an old man who's revealing the truth, breaking his silence. And he's an—I mean, he's an actor. I hired an old man actor to do this, but uh, I actually didn't like that too much. I, I thought it looked a little too fake. I thought the actor and the direction could have been better. So, you know, this is a stunt. This is a philosophy. I mean, we've talked about the campaign. We talked about what do we compare this to? Flat Earth, maybe Free Britney. Topics we've had in the past. I like the concept a lot, as you well know, Bill. I used to be a performance artist. Yes. Um, Some might say you still are. Some might say, not not as not as overtly. Uh, yes, I might say still. I'll go more into that later. So I like the idea of stunts. You know, pulling a stunt in order to maybe just have fun, but also like say something, make a message, make a point. Uh, I'm a fan of that kind of thing, and I like that they seem to be using it for a good purpose. You know, to try to poke holes in shit like QAnon, which is truly the the dregs of society they seem smart about smart about it you know the fact that he's revealing the truth now he's cognizant that he doesn't want this to backfire and people really start believing that (laughs) birds aren't real um shouting them down and he's got nerve like watch some of these videos and he'll stand up to people the video that made me lol was um he's basically somewhere like handing out flyers and these cops tell him to move Se- on, security, it's private. Security agents on golf yeah, course. Not They're cops. not cops. Right. Let's just I know, sorry. Security agents. And he says, well, I have the right, you know, he's like, there should be rules. Did George Washington have rules? Did Benjamin Franklin? <laughs> when, when George Washington stormed the gates of Britain. Stormed the gates of, yeah. It's actually a beautiful acting moment on his part. The end of the video. He says, Benjamin, when George Washington stormed the gates of the British and the security guards say, he didn't storm the gate. The British stormed our gates. And he just he just has this blank look on his face, and that's the end of the video. So it was <laughs> it was pretty, pretty great. Um but I just don't think it's that funny. I mean, I just mentioned an exception. When I started with this last night, and again, these two weeks have kicked my ass, and I had a little more energy when I was reviewing stuff this morning. I was just at my limit. And last night I'm like, this shit is just unfunny and stupid, and I don't care. And this morning I was more sympathetic. And I actually laughed out loud a couple times. I watched that documentary and I thought it was all right. 
Um, and I thought that video in particular, I watched a few of those short videos where he's talking to people in parking lots and getting him to say a birds aren't real pledge and talking to some maniac who won't get a vaccine and thinks Obama's the antichrist. And, you know, and he's he's it's a little like the the Jordan Klepper, the Daily Show guy. You know, he kind of pretends he's these people's buddy, but he's really making them look like complete morons. Uh, but, yeah, it's just not that funny. And I'm not sure why. You know, I used to, in school, I kind of studied satire and the meaning of satire and what makes for good satire. And I just don't have the energy to dig up that knowledge from the recesses of my brain. I mean, get Aristophanes or Horace on the phone and see what they say, the guys who, like, invented satire. Um, you know, so I guess it's just a litmus test. I didn't laugh that much. But again, there were times I did, like, there's a quote I wrote down from that documentary. Quarantine was an excuse for the government to switch out the birds' batteries. Uh, people ask, where does bird poop come from? They say it's bird poop is just like the corrosion on an old battery. They drip out the corrosion. Uh, we're, we're training kids from an early age to, to like birds. Look at Big Bird. Look at all the, the sports mascots. Look at the band The Eagles, right? No one would voluntarily listen to that music. It must be forced upon us. Well, there's, there was a shot outside of, I think it was Cardinal Stadium, where they're actually burning the pennant of the yes, St. Louis Cardinals. burning the pennant of the St. Louis. There's a great photo of, of I guess, it's McIndoe burning the pennant, and it's perfect because you see the St. Louis arch in the background. So That's true. It, it yeah, tells very, a lot in that one shot. Picture. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's because... You know, maybe when it comes to things like this, we can't do satire because, I mean, QAnon and the fact that Flat Earth is getting popular again, I mean, how do you satirize these things? They are beyond satire, right? So maybe, you know, I mean, Donald Trump being president, like we might be in a, at least when it comes to politics and government surveillance government control we might be post-satire like how do you satirize something that is even be that is beyond a joke right so i feel like it loses something there and then of course here's what i worry about it and apparently mackendoe has some worries here which is why he's he's removed the veil is i'm afraid it'll backfire and i saw uh, an article i think on uh artnet that said is there a, a danger it'll backfire um, apparently, and I read there, the whole thing about believing the Illuminati are behind everything, that started as a joke in the 60s. All these things started as a joke, let me tell you. Right. I mean, I don't know if QAnon started as a joke. Um, it's not satire, but I, I heard a really interesting podcast about a year ago with the woman who coined the term incel. Now, this was a woman, and it was basically just seemed like a perfectly normal sympathetic woman who for whatever reason wasn't able to find love or sex so she was like trying to create a like a message board an internet support group for people who don't have sex are celibate and aren't happy about it and it got taken over by stupid you know basement dwelling neckbeard losers and you know completely drowned out what is a perfectly honest and respectable thing hey it sucks i can't get laid let's talk about that maybe let's try to solve our problem right so while she wasn't doing satire, it was serving a noble purpose and it got taken over by people who, I don't know, I don't know if that's a prime example, but you see what I mean. And I think McIndoe seems conscious of 
I don't think it's that ridiculous. I don't think the theory, the story behind birds aren't real is really any crazier than the earth being flat. Or the fucking really the, any cra- cosmic pizza or whatever, you know? It's, it's, yeah, yeah. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. QAnon. I mean, QAnon has more of an evil tint to it. I mean, birds aren't real is about government surveillance, but QAnon is true. You know, Hillary Clinton is a pedophile eating children's blood. You know, I, I don't know. I'm not going to investigate. But um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a chance that people could really start believing this. And he's trying to head it off at the pass, but, uh, you know, who knows? Who knows if it might do it anyway, right? Uh, and there's a quote here from an artist named jo- Joshua Citarella. Uh, Allowing people to engage in collaborative world building is therapeutic because it lets them disarm conspiracism and engage in a safe way. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with that. I think it it tempts conspiracism, like I just said. And I also don't think it's safe. And I guess this is good about it. Uh, I think it's confrontational, which we need, which if we're going to, if we're going to solve this problem, we got to, we can't ignore it because that's how this shit grows like fucking mold. So yeah, I mean, I think it's all right, but I worry about it and maybe it could be better. Well, I too don't think it's funny. I understand what his impulse was because it was based on a, um, you know, it was a knee-jerk reaction during the during one of the pussy hat marches uh, in January of uh, of twenty seventeen. Oh come on, you're reducing it to pussy hat marches? No, it's I'm millions just millions of people. No, I'm saying that's what he that's when he did it. It was he was a no, fresh... I know, but my point is, I I don't like you calling those marches pussy hat marches. It makes it sound like it's thirty crazy women. It was like ten billion sensible women. And Sensible women and men, including me. Yeah, sure. You know, I love the conference. So I love the conference. I, just don't, I don't like calling it a pussy hat mark. Okay, so whatever you want to call it. That. I didn't like labor. Fine, but I'm just saying it's like he, he was looking to push back on people who were trying to shout yes. shout that the marchers out. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's like I think White what lives happened, matter. Yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. that he, he understood that it's like, oh, I, if I keep – if I come up with something totally ridiculous and it's like, you know what, in a perfect world – in the world of like 1998, I would say up and up to and including, you know, I, I kept thinking about this up to and including after 2001, after 9-11, when you had, uh, what is it, jet fuel can't melt steel beams or whatever that uh, Charlie Sheen type shit was that Rosie talk, O'Donnell. How about you talk to an engineer and a scientist, motherfucker? After 9-11... Uh, was when I realized that after 9-11, preposterous rationalization and reasoning took over a lot of people. And it's like, it was easy to write it off as fringe, uh, which it certainly seemed like it up until the point where, you know, Rosie O'Donnell expresses um, skepticism that that jet fuel was enough to take down world trade. It was like, you know, a planned demolition, implosion, all that bullshit. And it's like, oh, that was a nice little romantic period in this fringe nonsense that we could just write people off because honestly, it didn't change anything. But it was a, it was an auger of what was the, what was this you know what was coming down the road about we don't share a common set of facts, and I don't and think, that's and that's the internet and social media yeah. to be more precise. Yeah, and it's like not that we didn't have the media and the internet in two thousand one and social media and all those things, yeah, but, but it's like it. Well, became, we didn't have social media then. We didn't have social no. We had the internet and we had the way to transmit information, but not the ability to create these silos, two separate streams of information. So it's like I think the danger. I mean, again, yes, we'll kick this down to one of our segments. Is that um, you know I think he had a really good idea in that, or at least his knee jerk idea was based on something virtuous, this frustration, and the, the sense that also his generation. 
as much as ours, even more so, they trade in shitposts and they trade in irony. You know, they trade in these things that we talked about. And it's like, great. And, you know, maybe you can shitpost for the side of the angels. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe the fact is if you shitpost anything, you know, Noah, my real conviction is that the QAnon people piped up and put the most ridiculous bullshit. I think it was completely ironic. I think it was totally cynical. You think, you think at first it was a total joke? Complete. Because it's, there are plenty of people who believe it hardcore now. Yes, I mean, no, no, their no. Their brains but I, have to be thing. bubbling like still. Because it's like if you shit, get people but... to believe the earth is flat, and it's like it's only, especially when you are running down, you know, like one of the things that this kid McIndoe has talked about is that he was raised inside of this uh, fucking pistachio shell of evangelical Christianity. Yes, he like was. Hardcore, yeah. ultra yeah. Christian. He said he was raised to believe Obama was the Antichrist. Yeah, yeah. in addition to uh, evolution was a scheme by the devil and all this stuff. And it's like, no, it it, it takes... No, if, you're, if you're already there from birth, and if your parents, who, by the way, his parents are, if not boomers, they're the generation after boomers, he's inheriting these values. So that stuff is sort of leached into the groundwater by that point. So this kid, you know, I'll give him credit. You know, one of the things we should mention is that he broke himself out of it. It was like he deprogrammed and or never, it never made sense to him. Much the same way when I was growing up in the suburb out of Long Island, Catholicism never made sense to me. It's like, why am I taking the wafer? What am I doing? What is confession? What is any of this shit? And when I was like 11 or 12 years old, I'm like, oh, oh, I just realized it's like, this isn't a school subject of history where we learn some procedure. This is a belief system that I have. Like, I didn't realize it's like, oh, I'm just not going to do this. This has nothing to do with me. Thanks. I'm going to go live in my secular humanist world. And that's just, that's what I'm up to. And I don't know if this kid's a secular humanist. Well, he's definitely a humanist. I don't know if he's a secular humanist, but it's like part of him coming to this is because he lived with the, 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 the nitroglycerin, that, that fiery, unstable nitroglycerin of ultra- christian bullshit of again mm-hmm. obama being a servant to the devil and all this stuff <laughs> yeah, and so it's like you know what at the top of the show i'll give him credit for breaking out of that culty programming um, yeah and it's like you know again his his rationalization at the age of 20 20 years old when he came up with it i guess 19 or 20 was you know it was a healthy thing for him to do it's like well and i'm glad we're having this conversation now because he's deciding to kind of like reveal the stagecraft of it all and perhaps that's most necessary above all else one week from today the birds aren't real movement will be in san francisco california at twitter headquarters holding a protest demanding that twitter change its disgusting propagandist logo which is such a clear example of how this pro-bird imagery is seeped all across our culture in this country why do you think this is caught on i mean peter mcindoe didn't set out to make this a sensation it kind of went viral uh so you know why and why is the new york times writing about it well new york times is writing about it because it's like they're uh charlie uh chaplin uh chasing after the hat that they keep kicking in front of them trying to pick it up and kicking it that's you know there's no that's what they do when it comes to sending taylor lorenz out to do these things like the editors can't possibly fathom what they're writing about they're hoping taylor lorenz get to the bottom of it but in a way it's a little bit like slapstick comedy it's Buster Keaton. It's it's Harold Lloyd hanging on the clock, hand, clock hands. But uh, I mean, the reason why it's popular is that because look, this is ironic, right? I mean, it is still. Uh, heavy don't you ir- think? Don't you think? And you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but but in the world of the shit post and the world of everything that we're in the middle of and social media and I mean, irony is still the coin of the realm. It's fucking regardless of what. Um, uh, uh, it's the coin of the comedy realm. 
Yeah, but I think part of the problem is too many people don't see did. irony, which Graydon, is why something like QAnon gets taken seriously. Do you remember what Graydon Carter, I think he wrote in November or December or January of 2002, he said irony is dead. You know, like that was his front of the book uh, editor's note at the beginning of Vanity Fair magazine. And this is the man, you know, he was one of the co-founders of Spy Magazine, him and Kurt Anderson. It's like, you know, they were two of the forefront guys in the 80s of making irony part of the American voice, part of the media voice. And it's like, you know, he was saying like 9-11 ended, ended irony. And it's like, well, congratulations, guy, with the fucking big floppy hair and the and the tie bar. It's like, that's not at all what happened. If anything, it caught, it, it was stronger than ever and it helped to destroy a lot of the world because people can't read irony as part of the media literacy. Anyway, uh, I it's it's more the fact that, you know, I this was born in irony and for people to play along with the home game, you know, like they, it's, it's catharsis. I mean, I said catharsis up front. It's younger, it's, it's catharsis for younger people who are inheriting a sociopathic disaster from one of the most bungling generations in the history of planet Earth, the baby boomers. You know, this, this is one small way of, of, of a token way of putting a stamp on the age in which we live in is to kick back at some of the, some of the crazy bullshit shithouse madness and say, um, if you are going to live an insane theory, we're going to create insane theories to hold a mirror to it. Whether or not it actually, you know, Lisa, I'd like to buy your rock, your bear repellent rock uh, from that Simpsons episode. Yes, it's like, well, I Dad, I might as well just say this this, this yeah. rock, you know, is a bear. Clearly rock. the bear patrol is working. <laughs> and that's like, oh, so these, these people, it's, it's the battle of the people who don't know what irony is because they just read mm-hmm. everything straight faced. In a very wasp puritanical way, and kids who were like fucking, uh, you know, Bruce Lee of, of irony, their hands move faster than you can see, and they must be like water is, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, do I think, think, do you think I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. We're drowning in this shit, and we have to do something about it. We have to respond one way or another. And a natural response, if you have a brain, is to push back. Now, is this the right response? I'm not sure, and I'm afraid it's not. I'm af- I'm really afraid it'll backfire. I think there are more right responses, which are teaching media literacy, but that's a much heavier lift, especially in a country that doesn't value education. So, you know, uh, this might work. It's certainly not going to solve all our problems, but this might be some quote. I think it was in the Times article was like, "It's harmless." At worst, it's harmless. And then, of course, that that quote I read from the artist was about how it's like a way to let out steam and all that. But I'm afraid it's not because we saw this with QAnon and we saw this, I mean, I guess with, uh, um, you know, the Illuminati thing from the 60s. Uh, what are other are there other examples? I mean, the incel thing, if that counts, it wasn't satire. Yeah, I mean, I mean, know, I don't there's think there's all this shit. I mean, there's all you know. People love to talk about DARPA. They love to talk about the Montauk yeah. Project. But but which there's of these so things started as flat out jokes? Like, okay, let's talk about vaccines, right? Like people who think the vaccine is a microchip and Bill Gates is controlling your brain and all that. I assume that all of this was started by bad actors, like. Cynical, cynical or, bad actors, yeah. Right, but was there, and they wanted it to catch on, and they must be delightfully happy now that it has, and that it's filling up our hospitals with idiots who, you know, have no sense of personal or civic responsibility. But what, um, you know, did that start as a joke? I don't think so. Whereas you think QAnon started as a joke, I don't know. Um, I think Flat Earth started as a joke. Yeah. Did we know? 
I don't oh, know. I that mean, started again, a long time even, ago. It just sort of is on a comeback now. So you mean like flat so, earth of anybody who wasn't um, adhering to the Copernican uh, model of the universe and Ptolemy's yeah, I mean, uh, computation of the circumference of Earth because they were flat Earths in the Bronze Age, you know? Or the, well, no, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people in the modern age who believe in the flat Earth movement, which is having a renaissance. Obviously not, because you could have a brain and believe that as a, as a decent theory back in the Bronze Age. You can't now because we have airplanes. I mean, y- you know, it's, um, I don't know. I just, I worry that, this is a cure that is worse than a disease or it's going to aggravate the disease. I mean, we've seen that like all these towns you hear about, they, they have a plague of rats. So they import, uh, Oh no, they have, they have weeds. So to kill the weeds, they import rats while the rats take over. And now to get rid of the rats, they have to have street cats. And the cats are everywhere, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. there are examples of whether the cane toad stories. in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I'm afraid this is something like that. And, yeah. um, you know, I don't know. Maybe. Um, but even if we're going to be charitable, yeah, um, we just don't think it's that funny. But I, I don't know. Uh, humor is is different strokes. And I could see how people can think this is funny, even though I don't, for the most part. Some of it's funny. For the most part, no. There is a pandemic happening! Birds are a myth. They're an illusion. They're a lie. Wake up, America! No, would you have liked birds are not real? As a kid, uh, yes, more so, totally. Um, because as a young man, like I said, I was, you know, kind of a performance artist, but I always had these schemes in mind. So I did an act. Those who don't know, and this is Bill. You first met me as this character. I, I, only, I only knew you the character until about right. Six months I ago. probably I talked to yeah right. I talked about this <laughs> on the podcast at some point, but I had been trying to do stand up and I wasn't very good. And then I kind of my stand up act mutated into me doing stand up as a character, and it was a big hit among other weirdos on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, including Bill's wife, which is how he met me. Um, but you know, it had no future. I mean, I guess it could have had a future if I had been had a different attitude about it. So I had all these, so not just going on stage and making these jokes that kind of didn't make sense and, and trying to take the piss out of comedy in a certain way and language that was sort of about. I had bigger ideas. I was this. I was going to dress up as my character briefly and run for mayor of New York City in a year where there's no mayoral election. Hey, Curtis Lewa did it this year. Yeah, Curtis Lewa did Well, yes, at least in a year where there was an election. So I pictured myself like standing. I remember for some reason I pictured myself standing outside of a Brooklyn Cyclones game in Coney Island, the minor league league baseball team, and handed out campaign literature that just was weird, just to freak people out, just to make a joke. And maybe if I'm lucky, it would get press attention. You know, today I would say go viral, right? I mean, it's easier for that stuff to to get news. Birds aren't real would not have gotten an article in the New York Times in the 90s, most likely. That's the difference. Lyndon LaRouche would now be a credible candidate for president if he yeah. were alive and he yeah. ran again. Yeah, he would get, he would get airtime. Um, I had ideas like that. Uh, I even had an idea once. This was separate from my character. And this is an example of repast irony. I literally, I thought about this a lot. It was kind of, I don't know. It was just an idle daydream. Like, I'm going to try to run for office for real. And my entire campaign is going to be negative attacks. Everything. And anything that I do, I will just, all it will be is accusing the other side of doing things they don't do. That's it. That's all. And just, you know, if I, at the end, here was in my fantasy, basically at the end when I'm like actually doing okay, 
I publicly, like in a debate or something, I reveal the truth. And I force people to confront their own biases that my bullshit, my lies have caught on. But we're past that because that's pretty much Trump did with the difference of he wasn't playing a laugh. He was doing it to satisfy his ego. I don't think he believes half the things he says. I think he just says it because in that moment it makes he, him he, feel He keeps good. talking. He keeps talking. Just yeah, he is talking. a creature. Right, because if he never shuts up, he he uh, keeps his father's ghost at bay from making him cry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. I had all these ideas. And even, Bill, you know, once I started the big quiz thing, I did stunts. Like I would go several times in public places in New York City, dressed up in my quiz master's gear, you with a video camera, and we would ask people questions and make a little video, right? So I always liked these stunt ideas, as I said. And I would look at this and go, here's a scheme that's funny. I think I'd think it was funnier than I think it is now because uh, my sense of humor wasn't as refined or perhaps not as cynical yet. And uh, I, you know, I'd say, yeah, this is pretty funny. This is going to work. This is going to puncture them. This will show them. So I think I'd be a fan of this. And I might even like jump on board with like opening the whatever city I live in chapter of Birds Aren't Real. I could see myself really. <laughs> no, seriously. I could see myself yeah. writing to Peter McIndoe and going, dude, I'll do your New York. Come to New York. We'll do stunts in New York together. Center of the universe. We'll do it here, man. I could really see myself doing that. I, I liked stunts. And uh, you know what I'm reminded of? Remember Improv Everywhere? Yeah, sure. So they were all over New York, and they were huge for a while. I never, I know we say this isn't as funny, but at least I get the joke. I never got the joke with Improv Anywhere. I never got the joke of dressing up in a tuxedo and flopping around in the beach or taking your pants off in the subway, but everyone knows it's coming. Like, I don't get that joke. But this, even if it's not that funny, I get the joke. So there you go. Uh, yeah, I totally would have been on board for this. I think back to 90, 91, 15, 16, 17 years old. And I mean, out in the suburbs and feeling like I was smarter than other people around me. Yeah, there's I, that, right? And I mean, my, smart. Right. Me and my friend Joe had kind of a hive mind between us because we were just amplifying the same energy like a mirror. It was like the Versailles effect of cynicism and, you know, not dating and, and women weren't interested in us and just reading comic books and playing Sega Genesis and watching Mystery Science Theater. It's, it's, you know, it's a couple of like comedy influences coming in that we hadn't seen before, plus the standard like teenage white male suburban arrested bullshit. And it's like, you know what, to pull one over on them. And again, it's like, who was them? Them was a different them back then it is now. Um, the irony of it, for sure. Even though I didn't know how to play irony, I got it. I bought into it. I wanted more of it. And I said, this is the fucking future. You know, you buy irony now. You sell it later, but you buy irony. Uh, and it was all about the inflammation that this would cause people, you know, who subscribe earnestly to more bullshit, more ridiculous theories, a la Rothschild uh, space lasers, you know, things that we would have thought are crazy. Because as a younger person, I'm not patently aware of the fact that there are two versions of reality. I'm thinking that much like some people say now, oh, you just have to out hustle them. You just have to out organize them. It's like. That's not how it works. It's like there are two separate sets of reality. You can't yeah. argue. You can't argue. You can't win a fight with people. You can't yeah. win a, lo a, a logistical fight. You can't, you know, Aaron oh. Sorkin style, flip your cards over and wow everybody with a closing summation. Yeah. You, know, that you, a you, can't, you can't negotiate with people who won't come to the table. That's no, part of it. It's a fantasy. And it's like, yeah. but and when we were younger teenagers, and again, the world we were in, as teenagers, it was a different world, but it was also based on the brio, the, the, you know, the affectation of feeling disaffected and, you know, again, feeling out 
outside right. of the outside of the main purview of what was popular and what was cool and all those things. It's like, yeah, this this is exactly that sort of thing. And that lasted up until college, you know, just feeling like, well, I I don't want to burn it all down, but I want to make the idiots and the meanies and the boneheads and the doofuses and the douchebags, you know, realize what fools they are. Birds are real! Birds are real! Pigeons, not real. Eagles! Birds are not real, they're a myth, they're an illusion. Is the fact that birds aren't real. No, is the birds aren't real conspiracy theory, the fact that it's caught on, maybe even the fact that the founders admit it's a put-on, are any of these things an auger of an apocalyptic age? I mean, yeah, it is. It, it in itself, it is not anything that's going to make the apocalypse happen. But it is. It's a telling sign. It's a pustule, a carbuncle, on the skin, a bubo, if you will, indicating that this person is diseased and is going to die a very painful death uh, before the hemorrhagic fever sets in and turns his organs into uh, a sort of putrefaction. Um, you know, and I, I mentioned before 9-11, I keep thinking about, and again, in tangent with the last uh, the last uh, category, it's just like there's so much about this that is kind of based on old rules to me, rules that used to apply, mm. rules that felt cutting, age and, uh, cutting edge in an age, a different age. But it's like the 70s, 80s, 90s, um, you could do, a, I mean, Christ, what... If you think back to RKO Theater, you know, you think back to him, uh, Orson Welles unscrewing the lid was a big fucking shitpost. It was a big put on. It's like, I know it wasn't cynical. Orson Welles had this idea that he was just doing, oh, you know what, eyeballs. This is outrageous. And it's like, with any luck, people will tune in because this is, this is, this is, it bleeds and it leads. He's talking about the War of the Worlds broadcast. Right. People. War of the Worlds. What year was that? 19. You described it as unscrewing the lid. Uh, that was the actual sound effect of the Yeah, I know, the- but how were people supposed to know that that's what you were talking about? You didn't even say War of the Worlds. Well, every, everyone here uh, grew up uh, on 30s radio, didn't they? That's the whole point. <laughs> uh, but I like, love that broadcast. That's but awesome. But did, did, did Orson great. Welles, I mean, uh, granted, granted, he was a young man. I think he was 25 or 26 when he did he that. He was younger than that. He was 22 or 23. He was 25 or 26 when he, right, did when he did Citizen, Citizen Kane. Kane. Exactly. All right, so All right, you, know, so you feel like a loser before. But like Imagine farmers that. in New Jersey were calling the cops saying, oh, my God, there's an alien yeah. outside our front door. I see a flying saucer. Yeah. Farmers something. in New Jersey, people in fucking, you know, Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Right. But it's like it, that was one of history's first shit posts. I mean, in, yeah. in terms yeah, of mass but, media. But he. <sighs> no, it's, it's, it's different. It's different. You're right. It I is think different. he intended to play a prank. I think he did not intend to have it blow up that way. Oh, no, no, but but it's like he certainly didn't mind that it did. I think that he no, might have, he no. might have backed out a little bit, but he certainly wasn't he wasn't displeased with the effect. No. Let's put it that no, way. No, not at all. Not at all. So, but I mean, it's it like you know, you're going career. up to up to 9/11. I think after 9/11 the rules were off and it's like you you can't get people to subscribe to the same set of reality. And so, uh, I almost think of why is this a sunny apocalypse because this is a shit post. This is a a put on Already for converted, you know, you're, you're, but we're all wearing those burgundy robes in the Harlem church. We're doing our hands in the air. We're, we're the choir. And he's preaching to us. And it's like he's not trying to he can't change our minds. He's just satisfying us with this thing. And that's why we would have signed on for it when we were kids is because we want to get satisfied. But it's like, is anybody having is anyone getting this stuck back in their face and saying, oh, you know what? That's right. I really do believe in a ridiculous my whole Welt on Shaowong is based on a set of bullshit. It's ridiculous. And it's like, no, I don't think that's happening. I don't think that's happening. Good, good word. Thank you. Say it again. Welt Say on, it again. Welt on Shaowong. 
from now on, every time, I've been thinking of a way to work that bell into our podcast. And I've decided that's it. Every time you use a $45 word, I am going to ring the bell. uh, What do you you think about the apocalypse? All right. So there are a few ways this could go. I've broken them down into four ways this could end up. And there is some overlap between some of them. Two of them are, no, it's not the apocalypse. Two are, it is. All right. So here's why it wouldn't be. It fizzles out. It's nothing. It's harmless. All right. Which I think might be the most likely outcome. The other way it's not a sign of the apocalypse is if this actually has a measurable positive effect. It actually punctures QAnon, White Lives Matters, vaccine resistors, whoever, whoever they're targeting, idiots who think Obama's the Antichrist, whatever. If it actually does that, no, it will not be the apocalypse. It will be the opposite of the apocalypse. It will be it will be making strides toward preventing the apocalypse. I think that's a lot less likely than it fizzles out. There are two ways this could turn out that, yes, it is a sign of the apocalypse. As I mentioned before, it could backfire. It could slide us further down this hole. Oh, we could see that. We you, you know you can imagine what that would look like. You you laugh, but there are flat Earth conferences. QAnon is beyond insane beyond insane i mean it's way crazier than this like i actually think the story of you know i watched this documentary in a couple moments at this little frizzing of like oh maybe maybe they're right just for a little second there and if that does that to me you can imagine right if tucker carlson gets a hold of this trust me people are and, and decides to champion this people are going to believe it so that that would be a sign of the apocalypse if it backfires but the other way it could be a sign of the apocalypse and this overlaps with it backfiring. If it fails to puncture, it will show that there's no hope. You know, it will show that there's nothing you can do to stop QAnon and shit like that. Like, look, I I said it before. I think parody like this isn't the best way to confront it. You need to confront it with education, which is way easier said than done. Not only because our education system sucks and we failed it. But also just because this is a very particular kind of education. You know, people always talk about part of the reason Democrats lose when they shouldn't lose, their ideas are 8 billion times better, is just showing people facts doesn't do it. It feels like it should do it, but it doesn't, right? That's why Al Gore lost. Uh, That's why Bernie Sanders lost, I think. No, once I tell them what democratic socialist means, they won't mind it. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, So how do we... How do we educate? Well, it's I'm not an, I'm not a teacher, I'm not an educator, so I don't know for sure. All I know is it's a pretty deep thing. And we don't have the answers and whatever they are are not easy. So I guess this overlaps with a few of them, the other things I say here, but no, if this if this can't do it, is there anything we're able to do that can? You know, I don't know. Maybe the answer is no, in which case it is an apocalyptic uh premonition. Premonition uh forecast. Uh, indicator. Indicator. That's the word I'm looking indicator. for. I knew you're gonna. I knew you're gonna go for the ding. The government is not changing out bird drone batteries during this quarantine because birds are rechargeable. Birds charge on power lines. No, let's bring it on home. Let's drive this thing into a telephone pole uh, or a ditch. Tell me, uh, is there any aspect of this that makes you feel jealous? Oh, of course. Well, anything that goes viral and catches on, I'm automatically jealous of. Uh, you know, I had ideas for those stunts and I never did them. And if I had done them, I'm sure they wouldn't have caught on to this level. So, of course, I'm jealous. Uh, I'm also jealous that he's got more nerve than me. I mean, in these videos, he stares down these scumbags. 
and he doesn't give up. I mean, we don't, the videos are short, but, you know, and he's only made a few of them. But he's got the nerve to kind of face these lo- – I, I just want to scream at these idiots, like, wake the fuck up or you're a fucking loser or, you know, go piss your pampers somewhere else. Uh, so I do envy that. But um, on the other hand, I don't envy him because it's a responsibility. And I think to some respect he realizes that and that he's not maintaining the kayfabe anymore. And I'm, I, again, I go back to that podcast I listened to, the woman who coined the term incel – seems really upset about this because she she doesn't like what these guys are doing you know and this was not her intention at all she had an honest intention and it spun completely out of her control into something really awful so you know he might be happy that his crazy idea caught on but he might also be you know with great power comes great responsibility as uncle ben said and um you know now he's got to deal with that and if it backfires i wouldn't want to i wouldn't want to have to live with myself if i were if this backfires and i were peter mcadoo let me put it that way Peter McIntyre dropped out of uh, college to build this. I can't remember how many years he put. Not that many, but I think he saw much. I mean, we he don't founded know. this in 17 on the yeah. whim yeah. in 2017. So it's literally been four years, yeah, five so years, maybe, almost maybe, five years. Maybe he was yeah. a freshman or something like that. I mean, and it's it's a you know it's a light motif of the podcast. It's talking about all the people, all the um, who's that guy King, the the magician guy on on TikTok. Zach King. And, Exactly. Um, yeah, so many people who have like, oh, even the the frickin', um, uh Holderness family, you know, who had these jobs in media. By the way, no, uh, Holderness family on Amazing Race starting January fifth. They're really? Actually, yeah, they're a team. The husband and wife are on a team of the CBS show Amazing Race, which is one of my favorite. So is shows. it like, is it like Celebrity Amazing Race? Like each team? No, are, no. In fact, are, are they the, just like the other people are nobodies, and then we got these YouTube stars. Correct, and that that is okay. a that is a common thread that has happened almost every season of the Amazing Race for the really? last six or seven. They've years. had the celebrity team. I've, yeah. I've seen one episode of Amazing Race like fifteen years ago. It's a great show. So. It, well, when when really it's, yeah, it's a lot. I love it. I've loved it since uh, very early on. Anyway, but it's I like, found it very frustrating. People people who've gotten out of their lane, people who've sort of thrown the traditional aspect over. You know, like oh, here's the path. Here's the hoe, the the row you're gonna hoe, and it's like you know this kid got out of college to to build a meme essentially. You know, not again. This is certainly not the first one of those things that we've seen, but it's like it takes some real cojones to to, to say that. Oh, I'm I'm gonna get out of this uh, college. I'm, you know, again he ripped a fucking placard like you said, magic marker on the side. Birds don't ex- birds aren't real, and then jumped in a thing, and it's like all of a sudden it's like okay, well here's where the recent here's where my recent future is going to direct itself to. And, you know, um, there was a quote in the New York Times article from, from Cameron Kasky, you know, the kid from Parkland, Florida, who was shot at, survived, and then became an activist and is one of the most baller individuals I know of. He Everything Cameron Kasky says is right. He's a part of this. Cameron Kasky's bought into this. You know, he's he's involved in some small way. He's, he's expressed his enthusiasm for it because Cam Kasky's doing serious work. He says this parody makes you stop for a second and laugh in a uniquely bleak time to come of age. It doesn't hurt to have something to laugh about together. This is a 20-year-old person from Parkland, Florida, who lived through a grueling... And not only that, but then after that, Cam Kasky became a pillory public figure because of all these people who claimed it was a false I'm, flag. And 
I'm I'm telling you, that generation is going to save us all. They are yeah. 10 times tougher than us and 50 times tougher than the Boomers. And it's like, it, that is a good position to be in. If you're in a league with Cam Kasky and the rest of and people like that who are of a certain type, a, I'm, and I, which I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I don't. I would have thought it's comfortable at that age to to snipe from the side, to to smirk and, and, and whisper out of the corner of my mouth and, and take the piss out of things. And it's like, here's people who are actually doing something. It's like, so I'm jealous of the guy's hustle, as I often say here. I don't envy what he his endgame is with this. You know, like whatever this 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 uh, come to Jesus moment with pulling the curtain back and saying, oh, no, no, I, you know, we're going to we're going to treat the. Birds aren't birds aren't real thing. Now as a platform, like we're going to try to change the commodity of what this is into some other. I don't know what that is, but it's like he's apparently trying to transform it into something else to spend. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't envy trying to figure that out. But I mean, no. up, up to that point, it's like he's in a pretty good. Place. At least he's but at least he's trying at a relatively early stage, and it's not like. After it's proved to backfire, he's like, no, 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 it was a joke, and now I'm going to tell you it's a joke. You know, that kind of thing. He wanted to be a public figure, and he found out a way to do it without doing makeup tutorials or fucking Mm -hmm. sleight of hand on TikTok. (laughs) And it's like, I'm not taking away from those things, but it's like this— I'll take away from makeup tutorials. (laughs) Why not? In a way, this seems more worthwhile, so I I can definitely appreciate the way he's going about it. All right, so let's talk about the the Freonian scale. Uh, How much does this— How much it takes to charge a refrigerator or air conditioner. Charge a refrigerator. Right. We're going to drift away. There's going to be like, we're going to be doing the show 30 years from now, and we're going to forget where it started. And you're like, still, you're it's going to be, be like a game of telephone, what we're going to call it. It's you're going to be, be dinging me uh, from our, yeah. our paired together nursing home beds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, you uh, know what? I, I was going to say, I think that this uh, topic to me reminds me of, in a weird way, and hang with me here, I think it, it reminded me of Flex Seal a little bit. I know that's not really doing it as a real you service. You said that before. Flex Seal is like your go-to uh, For One or two barometer. times, but in a way of kind of, like Flex Seal wasn't just the fucking tape and the guy slapping the tape on the side of that tank of water that was springing a hole or whatever it was. It was the whole cult of shitposting around Flex Seal and that it was all this irony baked in. And it's like, you know, in a weird way, I got the impression that the Flex Seal guy, that sort of barrel chested dude in, in the too small polo tucked into his jeans with a belt, is like he was just riding it like, man, people love this. And it's like, you can't. That's a lot of damage. You can't, you can't read anything. Like, you have no idea why people are recombining your Flex Seal. Honestly, you have no idea what good or bad media means and it's like all you care about is that people are talking about flex seal you don't care about what you not that you don't care but you just cannot detect whether or not this is negative or positive at least he's recognizing it and you know being a good sport about it and yeah and he's running a business like can you blame him for trying to glom onto it for marketing purposes but but it's like it just in that respect it's not a complete analog but i do feel like you know flex seal it was hard to draw the line between earnest and shit post and to be honest, this, you know, and I, I've been on the record of the show of saying I'm not really a fan of shitposting. I think shitposting has gotten out of control. We're, for the yep. same reason, the irony, the irony turned into a, a fucking 10 alarm forest fire that's, you know, burned on the Rockies. I, I, I think this feels like shitposting in real life. If it's possible, you can go out there. That's what fucking Rothschild space lasers, you know, the Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor Green reptile people, <sighs> all that shit is, that's shitposting in real life. <sighs> and it's like, it doesn't just, yeah. it just doesn't stay in the internet boards. It becomes yep. fucking nope. electoral policy. It does not. It does not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I thought about, like, I mentioned this campaigns. We did in the past. Free Britney, Flat Earth. I mean, I wouldn't say vaccine resistors because that doesn't seem as organized. Um, 
So I would say this is the inverse of Flat Earth. As bad as Flat Earth was, this is good, or at yeah. least harmless. So yeah. I'm going to put it in the high end. And, yeah. and depending on your tastes, maybe funny, momentarily funny for me. Uh, so I actually think that puts it about even with Free Britney. So while Free Britney wasn't about entertainment, I actually think it served something of a useful purpose. I, I mean, she's free now, isn't she? So Yeah, she's going to start a bank account and have a baby and do whatever. <laughs> Amazing, yeah. at 41 or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it sort of evens out with Free Britney. Um, again, unless it starts backfiring, unless, you know, if I were one of those Russian disinformation guys, I'd be... I'd be seeing an opportunity here. Oh, man. Macedonian troll farm. I know exactly what yeah, you're talking about. I, yeah. Anyway, so uh, I don't know. I, I think this is kind of a flavor of the month. I think it's either going to fade away or it's going to backfire. One of the two. I, I, I got to boil it down to that. So, you know, uh, TBD, whether this is a good slash harmless thing or a really, really bad thing. All right. I think that's the end of yet another yet another episode. A countless, innumerable yeah. episode. And we're taking a break now, Bill, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, off, it's important uh, as, as yeah. we bring this thing into a close. Yes, uh, so this this is our uh, last episode. is through the Christmas season, through past New All Year. All right, well, we'll determine. Anyway, folks, we're going to be gone for a few weeks. Thank you. Happy New Year. Merry yes. Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Hanukkah late. So Happy you, Bodhi Day late. All the holidays. If you'd like to occupy yourself, uh, your idle hands with past episodes, look on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tweet to us, at Show. Write to us, Noah and Bill don't get it at gmail.com. Give us a review on the aggregators. The, the almighty algorithm only finds us because people refer us. That's how these things work. Uh, I am on Twitter at William Scurry, uh, constantly put my, put my foot in my mouth and, and, and inventing make em ups and whatnot. YouTube, my video content is on youtube.com slash amcaesar. Now, this guy. Uh, I'm all about the big quiz thing, bigquizthing.com, the finest in corporate and private trivia events nationwide and beyond, and of course, in the virtual space. And if, like me, you are in the San Francisco Bay Area, come and join me January 12th. We are debuting at a fine, lovely venue in the Mission called Manny's, Manny's Community Space. Uh, And I will be hosting a live, in-person music trivia spectacular that you can play making trivia fun for everyone. So go to BigQuizThing.com. And it's, uh, by the way, admission to the event is free. Learn more at BigQuizThing.com and um, inquire about your own custom private event for the holidays or beyond today. Oh, man. And until the very next meme-filled episode, we, we don't, don't get, get it. it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2021.